This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello all and welcome to episode 457 of the Yellow Wall Pods. I'm Stefan Botsko, your host for today's show, where we talk about the cut match against TSK Hoffenheim, a 1-0 win for Dortmund. We will also talk about the 3-all draw against Eintracht Frankfurt. And of course, we will preview Saturday's game against Bayern Munich. For all that more, joins me Lars Perlmann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I'm wondering how it's going to be more with our time frame, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. That was routine. Yes, uh, I have uh, not a lot of time today, so this will be a very quick episode. So, last um, the uh, cup match just concluded. Dortmund did make it through to the cup, a 1-0 win, as I said, against Hoffenheim. A home match uh, for the first time in, in a long time in the cup. Uh, Marco Reus, of course, the sole scorer of the day. And uh, yeah, it was a well-crafted goal by... Uh, Dortmund with Bino Gittens uh, getting the assist and Giorena getting the pre-assist. Um, but yeah, what what did you make of that game? Uh, first of all, uh, first home game in over two years in the cup, which is always kind of crazy to think about. I think they've had like five home games uh, since 2018 or whatever. So it's always nice, nice to be at home in the cup. Um, I think... Pound for pound, that was probably the best performance they've uh, given all season. I think the only game that really comes close is Newcastle away, and they were obviously riding their luck there quite a bit. I think they were much more uh, solid defensively, obviously, against a somewhat worse opponent. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, especially the, the the midfield interplay between um, Reina Brandt, uh, Bino Gittens, Reus. Um, I think there was a lot to to enjoy there. I think uh, Sally Özcan, perhaps his best performance in the Dortmund shirt, uh, although he gave away the only real uh, scoring chance uh, for Hoffenheim outside of the first two minutes when I don't exactly know what happened there. Uh, Schlotterbeck was immense again. I think he's been on, on a real good run of form basically ever since he was excluded from the Germany team. So maybe we need to give a shout out to Julian Nagelsmann. And yeah, I mean, Hoffenheim kind of played into their hands, uh, doing their usual on the front foot stuff, uh, giving up a bit more space than Dortmund usually get in, in home games against uh, opposition that isn't of the highest caliber in the Bundesliga or in Europe. Um, and, and Dortmund did really well in that. I think the only thing missing from the game was the second or third goal, which they had a couple of chances for, but um, I never really felt like the win was in any real jeopardy and that's uh, all you can ask for in the cup really. So I have basically no complaints, which is, uh, I think, rare for me and uh, for this podcast in general. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the uh, game against uh, Werder Bremen, I think, was uh, similar where it was a 1-0 home match win and uh, you did not feel that the win was in any real trouble. And uh, it was similar today. So uh, in, in that, from that standpoint, very good. Also, I uh, really liked, as you said, the, the midfield interplay as well. 
Um, I did not quite like Giorena out on the wing against Frankfurt, but today I think uh, he played a little bit more centrally, so it was fine. Um, overall, I, I do believe that uh, Dortmund could have created a few more chances, but uh, yeah, there were a couple of uh, poor touches at the very end of uh, their attacking plays, or they probably would have scored three or four um, today. Uh, it was certainly the spaces they afforded to them. So, yeah, I don't think we can complain about this one. There's one thing for certain is that there will be a new cup winner uh, since Leipzig won the last two and they are out against Wolfsburg, also won a loss for them. Um, I don't know who else will be in the, in the next round along with Dortmund since the uh, other games haven't even uh, kicked off yet or, or will soon kick off. Um, so, yeah, last I think we can just say professional performance. Uh, I don't think we have too many injury concerns. Marius Wolf did come off, however. Um, but with that, I think we can focus our attention to the Bundesliga. And uh, we did have a very <laughs> entertaining match uh, last Sunday against Eintracht Frankfurt, a 3 all. Um, the expected goals, according to FB refs, both 2.2 on, on both sides. Um, a bit of weird refereeing going on with uh, Mamouche scoring a penalty in the 8th minute where I don't really think it was a penalty. Then uh, I think Mamouche was followed by uh, Alex Meyer who had then replaced Kobel and that probably should have been a, a penalty but wasn't and uh, very late in the game Schlotterbeck was also held. I think also by Mamouche if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, Larson. Or Larson. Yeah, it was it was uh, certainly a real tug uh, on, on a set piece. Um, where you, in my book, also could have given the penalty. So uh, let's get the refereeing controversy out, so maybe let's get ourselves in the mood for that since we do play Bayern next. But uh, Lars, uh, first about these calls, um, what did you make of them? Uh, I thought the uh, state of Bundesliga re refereeing, once again, is very, very horrendous. Um, I, I think... Possibly people will remember that I pledged ahead of the season not to moan about referees this season. Uh, and I'm, I can keep that up because the uh, German FA have come out and uh, basically criticized the referee themselves. So I can just relay what they said. They uh, said that the handball penalty against Wolf was a, an incorrect decision and an, an overcorrection by VAR, if you like. Because uh, obviously Wolf didn't see the ball coming, which is always important. So there's, there's no level of intent there. Uh, the positioning of his arm while a bit above, uh, you know, his torso or whatever is still on the shoulder line, which is kind of an important thing. Um, so yeah, I think it, we are all in agreement basically that these shouldn't be handballs, even if the rules maybe say they, that it might be, but even the German FA have now come out and said that shouldn't have been a handball. So. Clearly, uh, the, the decision was incorrect. But then um, we all know pretty certainly that Frankfurt should have had a penalty for the Meyer on Mamouche incident that you mentioned. Uh, I'm kind of flabbergasted at uh, the referee going out to take a look himself and then still not giving a penalty. I don't know. Maybe he had in, in the back of his mind the, the handball situation, but then why, why does he even go out there? I don't know. So um, Frankfurt should have had one penalty in the first half. Ultimately, I, I guess it doesn't really matter which one it was. Um, obviously, it, it, 
if the second penalty had been given and taken, uh, that would have made it 3-0, I think, and the game would basically have been over, I presume, because Dortmund were really flat until then. Um, the the third situation, it isn't even mentioned, I think, uh, the, the Phil Krug offside uh, for uh, Mukoko's uh, erstwhile 2-all goal. Um, Phil Krug definitely offside. The question is, was he in an active offside uh, position <laughs> or not? Um, I think you can argue either way and the, the German FA have come out and said basically it's a toss-up and they would have gone with the on-field decision in either way so that wasn't the case for VAR. Uh, I I can understand why they say Füllkrug didn't impede with Kevin Trapp and Frank Wurz goal. I, honestly, I could have understood if, if they said he's so close to the goalkeeper and the shot direction that they would have taken the goal away. So I wouldn't say it's a letter for Dortmund but uh, certainly not uh, the opposite either. And then obviously the fourth incident that you already mentioned, the the tuck by Hugo Larsson, who was absolutely outstanding on Saturday, uh, Sunday uh, on Schotterbeck in, in extra time, or added time rather. Uh, yeah, I think that's a penalty, but uh, the German FA have said in this uh, instance that the uh, decision is marginal enough for it to be within the room of interpretation or whatever you want to say uh, in uh, of the referee and that too many penalties would have to be given if that were to be decided by VAR each week. Uh, kind of a cop-out answer, but I think uh, I can sort of understand why that's not a penalty because, uh, you know, that late in the game, you really don't want to overturn anything that isn't Stonewall and... I think if it's more a 70-30 penalty than a 90-10 or whatever. So I can kind of live with that not being given. And I think the most important thing is on the whole, even though Frankfurt were whining quite a bit on social media, as they always do, <laughs> I think I think both sides were treated roughly uh, the same with bad calls and calls going in their favor. So ultimately, I would say that the refereeing performance didn't, influence the actual result of the game too much uh and, uh, and yes there's I mean, a there's a fifth incident which you haven't mentioned uh where uh, the I, offside stuff yeah the offside stuff where i think uh, mokoko had uh had a very clear path toward goal and uh the guy did raise the flag and uh, it was whistled back but i don't think um it was actually offside in the replay or uh, only marginal, I have no I've, idea. I, I actually think that the flag went up for uh, Füllkrug in the build-up. I'm not sure. Sh- I, I mean, there were two of those instances, but uh, the, the one that most people have mentioned, uh, as I've seen online, uh, there was, I think at least Füllkrug might have been offside. Nah, in, also, also wasn't offside. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, but, but could have been, could have been, but also wasn't. Um, I mean, that that's, that's 40 yards away from the goal, so it's not like... They they I know. blew the whistle blew the whistle on uh, on a certain goal. I know, but it was it was a promising chance. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, um, I think the positives here for uh, for Dortmund is that they came away with with a point, especially after being two 0 down and after uh, they were entirely shredded uh, <laughs> on the uh, on the right side or, or from Dortmund's perspective, left side by Ariolo Buta, who uh, <laughs> yeah had a, had a really good game going forward. Uh, I think. 70% of those attacks, is, at least in the first half, all came over Frankfurt's right side and uh, they did find a lot of space in behind uh, Benz Baini and um, yeah, did square it into the box and yeah, created a lot of uh, havoc that way. Obviously, the penalty 
um, call, which of course, you know, uh, in the eighth minute also sort of was created from such situations. So um, I, I thought overall Dortmund did not look good in the first half, uh, didn't quite find a way to adjust to what Frankfurt were doing. And uh, yeah, it felt all a little bit too easy. And uh, kudos to Frankfurt for being a good side on the counterattack. I think that's something that Dortmund can uh, learn from them. Um, but that being said, I, I'm impressed with how Dortmund uh, came back in this game, especially after Frankfurt also made it 3-2. to two. You know, this also can be a punch in the groin you don't recover from, but Dortmund did recover from that. Um, I think the Zabitzer goal was a really nicely crafted, good layoff by, by Füllkrug and a well-taken thing. And then, of course, uh, the, the Mukoko goal and the, the Brandt goal very late. Uh, also two very nice goals. Um, I, I can see why uh, the Mukoko goal might have been ruled out, as you said, um, because he was he was close-ish, you know. Uh, who, who was the guy standing in front of... Was it Phil Krug? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Brandt goal in the end, uh, nice, uh, yeah, pace change, change of pace or <laughs> acceleration by Adiemi, finding Brandt who made the run and uh, yeah, slotting it home. Uh, it was it, it was overall a pretty good game in my book. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I sort of enjoyed it toward the end, and uh, I really thought that there was a good chance that someone actually might might win it because uh, once it was three all again. Um, I wasn't quite sure how Frankfurt would hold up since they also had a, a Thursday night game in Helsinki. Um, it was at home versus Helsinki, if I'm not oh, okay. mistaken. Uh, also, they won that 6-0 and it's Helsinki. I think the Finnish league, with all due respect, and I don't know how much respect is due, probably not a big <laughs> test for them. They also rotated the squad a bit, so yeah. Um, I think... We kind of need to keep things in perspective. Uh, Frankfurt have now gone more than a calendar year without uh, a home defeat in the Bundesliga. And across all competitions, they've only lost at home to Napoli in that time. The last team to win at Frankfurt was actually Dortmund in that crazy game, uh, which Frankfurt fans will remind us of forever because Adiemi shoved someone and Frankfurt were the first side ever to uh, be punished by a bad refereeing decision in football history. Um so given that and given also the game state, uh, obviously going down twice, going down by two goals at first. And um, all the injuries, I think we should account a few to. In a few injuries, uh, Dortmund having a midweek fixture themselves, not to forget. So yeah, uh, I think uh, coming away with a point, regardless of uh, you know the bad start into the game, would have been a decent result. Not obviously dream result, but I think away to Frankfurt... A a lot of good Bundesliga sides will struggle this season. Um, and, and then obviously taking that stuff into account, uh, a three-hole draw, very good uh, result for Dortmund. And also kind of showing once again that there is some metal and uh, mentality in that team, which we don't question anymore, I don't think, at least to that extent, uh, as we've did in the past. But obviously the public, whenever Dortmund have one one bad game or one bad result, that, that discussion always comes up and... I think in, in that regard, we can say it was a positive experience. Yeah, no, uh, to, to me, it was not a bad result at all. I thought that was a pretty good result and Frankfurt are a good team. I mean, they struggled early on uh, of the season, but uh, yeah, they have recovered quite nicely. And uh, yeah, with that, we can move on because, uh, of course, Dortmund do play against Bayern Munich now, Lars. Um, 
Bayern do have a strength also in counter-attacking. Um, and as Frankfurt uh, did expose Dortmund to a certain extent, do you think um, that uh, <laughs> Dortmund will suffer similarly uh, going into that game? Nah, I, I, I can't really see Bayern sitting back enough for them to be able to counter. I think Dortmund will happily give them the ball. I think we've seen uh, last season and even in, in some games this season how Terzic likes to set up the team against very good opponents and that is a bit more on the back foot uh, trying to counter perhaps themselves, um, you know, crowding the center, uh, all that good stuff which, for example, they showed last season in the Champions League against Man City uh, which they tried to no avail against uh, PSG, which they did to an extent uh, at Newcastle although they were a bit more proactive there um, so yeah I, I I can't really see Bayern not having a dominant share of possession and then it's always kind of difficult to uh, get in behind uh, when you have much of the ball I think Leverkusen have done it really well at times this season but they have for example uh, Frimpong at right back who's much more dynamic than uh, I, I guess it will be uh, Masrawi for Bayern uh, on on Saturday, so uh, that that wouldn't be my worry. I think with Bayern, there's enough other stuff to worry about. Yeah, uh, then uh, let's talk about it. Obviously, uh, I believe that Dortmund are de facto in a title race this year again because um, I do believe Dortmund can achieve enough good results um, to to challenge Bayern or Leverkusen or whoever else is up there. Um, throughout the entire year but of course uh, if you want to win the Bundesliga uh, well <laughs> well, Dortmund demonstrated that it's possible without actually beating Bayern but I still do believe that uh, beating them makes life much easier so uh, to me that is a very important game and Dortmund haven't beaten Bayern in a very long time so obviously <laughs> I'm not saying anything surprising when I say I really would love for Dortmund to finally win a game against uh, Bayern Munich and uh, I don't even know how long the not winning streak is, but it's it's far too long, and uh, it's also a little bit annoying that uh, this uh, home match is already in the first half of the season because I feel like it can be an advantage if it's in the second half of the season. Um, but uh, these are all semantics right now. What certainly is a fact is that Joshua Kimmich is not going to play due to uh, uh, foul in the sending off against Darmstadt, which Bayern in the end uh, won comfortably 8-0. Um, I don't know how the game will go last, but at least I'm glad I won't have to look, look at his face. Now, obviously, due to the weekend's results, uh, Bayern Munich are two points ahead of Dortmund in the table, as they have 23 points, Leverkusen have 25, and Dortmund have 21, level on points with Stuttgart, and behind that are Leipzig, for those who haven't uh, taken a look at the table in quite a while. Um, so you already talked a little bit about the approach. Um, should Emre Can be fit, do you think we will once again see that midfield lineup that we saw against Newcastle with Zabitza, Mecha and Can in, in midfield? Or how do you think Dortmund will approach this one? That's kind of uh, a big call to make because I think Salih Özcan has done nothing to lose his place. Uh, not only uh, now against Hoffenheim in the Cup, but on, on the uh, basis of the entirety of his season, which is obviously a bit uh, less or fewer minutes than, than Jan. Uh, but 
it would be a massive call to leave out your captain in the home game against Bayern because that's kind of the, the type of match that you make someone or give someone the armband for because you think that he can give you something in, in these types of uh, matches or against this type of opponent. So uh, I think maybe they are bailed out a bit by uh, John's knockout of the Newcastle game uh, because he was obviously not fit to play against Hoffenheim on Wednesday. Uh, they have uh, the Newcastle uh, home game the week, uh, the following week after the Bayern game. So there's still load management to be made. So quite possibly John being rested, as it were, uh, which I guess I would think right now is quite possibly a positive for Dortmund. And and the rest you kind of have to see. I think um, this this let's call it small ball approach that they did in, in the cup against Hoffenheim with basically three number tens in, in Reus, Rainer and Brandt. Uh, I, I can't really see that against Bayern. You need a bit more uh, muscle and uh, structural integrity, if you like. So I'm definitely expecting Sabitzer to be in the, in the starting 11. Wouldn't be surprised to see Metscher in there because he's uh, more uh, solidly built than uh, Reiner or Brandt or Reus. But then you also need uh, some kind of attacking outlet. So uh, if if the midfield three from the Newcastle game is in there, then you have to quite possibly make the decision between Brandt and Reus. And right now, I think you don't take either one of them out. So yeah, kind of a selection dilemma, um, but a positive one to have because it's having too many options and not too few. And that's, that's always a good thing. And ultimately... Uh, These types of games can be turned around by making a couple of important substitutions. And I think uh, one area that Terzic has definitely improved in his in-game management over the last few months, um, especially against Frankfurt, they were much better in the second half, for example. So uh, it's it's not uh, the the worst thing to have selection problems or dilemma and, and being able to switch things up during the game. Well, the good news is I find that uh, Julian Brandt, even though it's almost blasphemous to say it since he's probably Dortmund's best or most productive player currently, um, but as he showed against Frankfurt, he can also come off the bench and, and do a fairly nice job. But uh, do you really want to wait for him doing that for 60 minutes in the game? It is a dilemma. Um, so I think Bayern's starting 11 is pretty much set in stone. I do believe that Manuel Neuer will obviously start. Then you have Davis... Uh, Kim, Delict and Masroy in the back four and uh, Leimer and Goretzka I assume will form the midfield unless you have any other ideas and then I assume the wingers will be Zane and Coman and then you will have Kane and Musiala as the 10 and number 9 or the vice versa but uh, yeah uh, it's a very dangerous lineup a lot of pace a lot of physicality Uh, with Leimer they have a very aggressive midfielder uh, similar to Kimmich I would even say who Uh, is also very good at winning the ball off players in midfield that take a little too long uh, to control it. So um, I'm not quite looking forward to that. Um, do you think form-wise Dortmund have a sniff currently against Bayern Munich? Uh, there was a time where I would have said easily Dortmund can do something against Bayern, but uh, I haven't seen them in a while. I don't know if they uh, are good right now or not. Uh, maybe you have watched a couple more games and can give a little bit of insight into um, Dortmund's chances going up against the current champions. Uh, I don't 
watch Bayern games on principle because it's <laughs> it gets depressing after a time to watch them win and win and win. Uh, not particularly interesting. Um, the the thing about the the lineup for them is that uh, Goretzka is still a question mark. Uh, as is Masarawi actually. He's not playing uh, on on Wednesday in the cup. The game is about to start as we record, but he's not in the squad. Um, and, and Goretzka is it race against time for him to come back. So if both of them were unable to play, that would be a massive thing for Dortmund because uh, Bayern have no right-back options uh, behind Masari, really. I mean, in, in the cup, they are playing Buna Saar, who they've wanted to sell uh, since five minutes after they signed him. Um, I guess their preferred decision would be to play Lima at right-back, but obviously they can't do that with Kimmich uh, suspended. So uh, we might see someone like Zah or, you know, a, a youngster like Franz Kretzig uh, playing in what is the biggest game of the Bundesliga each half season still. Uh, so that would be something. I think other than that, the it's it's not a derby. It's not, don't call it their classical. We've done that all, all the time over the last few years. Uh, but it's still kind of game where the form book doesn't necessarily tell too much about how the game's going to go. I think especially at Dortmund, both sides have always been able to get it up um, over the last few years. Uh, the the question has always been how competitive are Dortmund in Munich? The answer was, for the most part, not very. Uh, but that, that is something to worry about for, uh, I don't even know, that's probably in April or late March or whatever. Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be the typical Dortmund-Bayern game. Um which means Dortmund perhaps chasing a result at the end of the game and then, you know, question mark of taking your chances. A couple of big refereeing decisions. I'm going to be interested to see who's uh, getting the call there. Uh, last season it was Aitekin at Dortmund. There was obviously a couple of big calls. Uh, Bellingham not getting sent off. Um, was it Davies who got sent off or was it Koeman uh, for Bayern? I think it was Koeman. Uh, yeah, yeah, some, one of those two guys on the left side. Um, <laughs> Not that my memory would uh, hold up against anything, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Kuman got sent off there. But e yeah. e either way, uh, yeah, you, you're right. I think it's going to be a typical game. It's going to be nothing we haven't seen before. Um, I'm interested to see how uh, Fulkrug will do, uh, since Alea, I don't assume, will start. Uh, and how he can hold up against the Ligt and, and Kim because uh, in previous shows I've already said that it's quite important, especially after the Newcastle game or during the Newcastle game, rather you could have seen you could see um, that uh, him being able to control the ball a little bit and uh, lay it off for his teammates um, does wonders for Dortmund. So having him uh, sort of as a hub up front uh, can help once again. I also do wonder if Ben Sabaini can recover from his performance against Frankfurt considering he's a former Gladbach player, so he should know very well how to beat Bayern Munich. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on this game. Um, I'm I'm excited for it. I hope Dortmund do well and uh, come out with a with a good plan and can adapt it uh, if they need it. Uh, Lars, any final thoughts? Uh, just want to mention the last time Dortmund actually beat Bayern was 2019, so... It's before COVID. Uh, in, in the starting 11 for Dortmund, you had Ömer Toprak, 
äh, Axel Witzel, Julian Weigel, äh, Marvin Hitz, äh, Head Coach Lucien Favre, so it's time. Ja, yeah, Paco Alcázar scored the winner, so. Ja. Ja, it is time. Alright, that's our episode title. And uh, for me, it's now time to go and uh, run off. So, uh, Lars, thank you very much for coming on. Everyone out there, uh, thanks as always for tuning in. And we'll see you on the flip side. Goodbye.